Welcome to episode 47 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined by Dalton Willie and producer Johnny Pham, who is eating fake Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets as we record on this Wednesday night. Dalton, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I know it's only week two, but last week was arguably one of the worst weeks I've had in my fantasy career <laughs> from a DraftKings perspective, from a real-life perspective. And honestly, the football last week just wasn't that good. And I know the oh, the, the the late games, the the three o'clock games, and then the Chiefs Ravens game was obviously good. Uh, the the result of the last game wasn't what we would have won, of course, but it was entertaining. Yeah, it was an entertaining game if you're a fan of football, not a fan of Kansas City. But just getting to those three o'clock games was so hard. I was watching Red Zone. And I was just getting bored because there weren't touchdowns for a period of time. The yeah, most- well, and, and and like I told you, it was like a lot of non-fantasy relevant guys were were scoring, which is why like I had Michael Pittman in my DraftKings lineup. You would think that lineup would would win something, but nope it. It, it it did not, and then in my player props, the only thing I needed to to win my bet was another Mahomes touchdown pass. Well on pace for that, if certain decisions were not made, but neither here nor there. Well, and I rostered a lot of Terrace Marshall, and little did I know Zykstra was going to come in and get three <laughs> catches out of the slot and a touchdown. I they cut to red zone, and I saw the slot receiver catch a touchdown pass, and I was excited. I was like, DraftKings, I'm making money today. And then I was like, Terrace Marshall isn't white. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so it was not a good week for me. For those who do read my draft, my DraftKings article, I'm glad I didn't put one out last week because I would have lost you money as well as myself. Yeah. And then obviously, if you're just looking at, at season long, at, from Dalton's perspective, he was the main target of my Peyton Manning, Aaron Jones tweet that, that I put up Monday night because Dalton was a victim of, of the Aaron Jones uh, massive, massive. What was it? Four touchdowns. Yeah. Well, and, touchdown performance. And even more frustrating than that is five players on my bench outscored my starting lineup. So it's just all around was just not a good week for the fantasy football and Dalton Willie. <laughs> so we've got we've got a fun one today, and we're hoping for a more fun um, week three. Although week two was was plenty fun for me, uh, beat, beating Johnny by I believe it was six points. Uh, that that was a good time, right, Johnny? No, it was not because I was driving home. I couldn't really watch the games. I was just getting notifications that, oh, um, a Justin Herbert touchdown was robbed by a by a flag, and then just just downward spiral after that possession. I was like, oh, okay, I'm I'm still kind of leading right now, but then hindsight after I lose by six, I'm like, okay, that that could have changed a couple things, but. Yeah, you know, um, if you if you would have no, we're not going to talk about hypothetical if you, trades. If you wouldn't have trolled me on my trade offer, I would have started a tight end that scored point eight points, and you would have you would have beat me. Just just that, just saying. I mean, it's all hypothetical. <laughs> but what is not hypothetical is the dropometer. The first thing we're getting to today. After that, we've got buy or sell, which is just uh just a way for us to jump around the league and kind of touch on different different topics. But the dropometer. 100% stealing this from the CBS guys, so full credit to them for for this segment. But we're just going to list some names, and Dalton, on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely or how how likely would you be to drop this guy if he was on your roster? We'll, we'll just stick with the standard league, uh, 12, 12 team, and then just whatever scoring format. We'll do half point per reception, obviously. But 
obviously if you're in an eight team league or if you're in a 14 team league, like this advice may differ, but 12 team league, the first one up, Lavishka Chenault, wide receiver 81 on, on the season through two games. So I have him at a one on the drop meter. I am not dropping Lavishka Chenault in any situation. And I'll give you the reasons why. First, it can only get better with this offense. You, you would think. I thought he was going to score negative points for uh, quite some time last week. I sent this tweet to you guys earlier, but through the first two games of their career, uh, Trevor Lawrence is the same off-ball throw percentage as Tim Tebow, and that's just not Trevor Lawrence. We we know he's an accurate quarterback. Maybe there's some question about his NFL skill level, but he, the 35% off throws is just not going to happen. And if you're a LaVisca owner and you see, I think it was two for seven last week in targets to catches, you're probably mm-hmm. wondering why he didn't catch more of those balls. And it's probably because they weren't good throws by Trevor Lawrence. You should just be encouraged that he had seven of those passes. And then this offense is really, they're going to have to start clicking and you still get two Titans games, another Texans game, and the Colts look pretty I mean, beatable. Do, do, do they have to start clicking, or could they just be bad? I just – it's there's a lot of upside with LaVisca Chenault. If you drop him, you're dropping him at what is quite literally his floor. And then it's just – the I liked Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones, the wide receiver 18, doesn't feel sustainable. And so I really think that those good throws start getting spread out in the offense, especially if defenses – start honing in on a 30-year-old wide receiver who's known as a down-the-field threat and not an intermediate route runner. Yeah, and Chanel, I think it was in the second quarter. Yeah, it was the last drive before halftime. He, he hurt his shoulder, and it sounds like he's going to play, but he was dealing with the banged-up shoulder the rest of the game after that, an out route that was well out of reach, and he fell on it pretty hard trying to to haul then going out of bounds. So he was dealing with that last week, and in week one, like, he was fine. What do you have? Like eight or nine points and half point per and half point per reception scoring. So I don't know. The concern would be that his his a dot is is pretty low, which we expected, but we had hopes maybe that there'd be some more down the field stuff. And he did get a couple more intermediate targets last week, but it's a tough way to make a living if you're looking for upside. I mean, he can be like a safe floor play once he gets it going every week, but. Uh, the upside might might not quite be there, but yeah, I I I'm with you. I, I think I'd give it like a two. I'm pretty unlikely to give up on this early because just the volume has been there. He was okay week one. I would expect that this week, this last week, was probably his worst non-injury game of of the season. And it was also the best defense that they'll probably play this season. In- One of them for sure. Yeah. I don't know their whole schedule, but yeah, the Broncos are a legit defense, obviously. Now I would put him at like a seven or an eight. If over this next three game stretch, he doesn't produce for you because they go Cardinals, Jaguars, Titans. Those are some of the worst teams defending wide receivers in the NFL right, right now. now. Cardinals, oh, sorry, sorry. Titans? Cardinals, Bengals, Titans. Bengals, Titans. Sorry about that. But th- through that stretch, if he's still giving you one point a game, that you should probably start looking elsewhere for production and look at dropping him because that's concerning if he's not producing against those defenses. Mm-hmm. So Tevin Coleman, the running back, 59, has a decent week one and is pretty clearly the RB3 in week two, at least. I'll, I'll go first here. I'm giving this one like an eight. I, I'm pretty likely, if I have Tevin Coleman, I'm pretty likely to find 
somebody else on on waivers I'm more interested in, I, I think, at this point, just because I think Ty Johnson is a better player than him. And we'll get to Michael Carter a little bit later, but I liked what I saw out of him last week. And I mean, it's not to say that what we saw is going to just continue to get better for him every week. It will probably be up and down, but it was a good sign for Carter. And that means it was a bad sign for Tevin Coleman, in my opinion. Yeah, I put him at a nine. Um, So he's pretty much droppable in any redraft format. I mean, the first thing I did when I looked at this is I asked myself how much fab I would spend on Tevin Coleman if he was on the waiver's wire. And the answer was between one and zero, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a good sign you're going to drop him. And in general, that offensive line, those running backs are running behind is in shambles right now. I thought they had a chance of being good, but the the loss of McKee Becton is pretty critical. And Elijah Vera Tucker is probably their next best guy. And after that, their their offensive line does not look good. And so then you want the running back to hopefully be running in passing down duties on a bad team, and that's Ty Johnson's role. Mm-hmm. So between the two of them, I mean, I just don't know where the production is. Tevin Goldman's pretty low on the pecking order, and he's just never been good. I mean, he couldn't produce for the 49ers. And mm-hmm. if you can't produce in that rushing offense, then there's a lot of concern about where you can produce. Zach Ertz, um, maybe not rostered in too many 12-team leagues, but I bet he probably is in in some just uh, by name alone. He is the tight end 41 through two weeks. He basically did nothing last week. Had, you know, a, a meh tight end performance in week one, like four or five points. Uh, Dalton, scale one to 10. How likely are we dropping Zach Ertz? I have him as a six. I'm not overly concerned. Now, if you do have an IR right now, I think he's on the COVID list yeah he, so. he's on the COVID list but he's vaccinated so there's very strong chance he could be off the COVID list before they even play on Monday yeah so that's a plus and then I he, he last week he was on six more dropbacks than Goddard so he's still kind of the tight end one quote-unquote in this offense and week one Goddard got the touchdown but Ertz definitely was still more involved through their two weeks there he's getting more of the routes run and when it comes to tight ends you just really want a guy who's on the field because that's that's what you go to look for. Now he's probably not in that like top eight range. He's probably a guy you're looking at the lower half of tight ends, but he still has the skill level. He can still get open. He's someone I'm not dropping unless there's a really good waiver wire ad on your, your waivers. So if he is your only tight end, I'd put this at like an eight because I'm not start, even though it's the Cowboys, although the Cowboys defense actually looked pretty good against the chargers last yeah. week, kind of shockingly, but I if he's your only tight end, I I drop him and be just chasing the points and then come back around the chasing the points for Zach Ertz if they ever come. But if you're in a situation where he is on your bench, you're not starting him, you just have him as your second tight end. I'd be more like a four or five because he number one, if anything happens to Goddard, then he is immediately a top ten caliber tight end, which isn't saying a lot, but it, it is definitely a valuable thing to have. And then you said it. He he's been involved. Um, week one, he got some targets, and then week two, he ran a lot of routes more than Goddard. And they just didn't run very many plays last week. They they just didn't move the ball hardly at all, quite frankly. And so just the the volume was low for everybody in, in that offense last week. Yeah, and if I mean he's still probably the second or third best receiving option in that offense, which is always something you want to target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this guy, I have a feeling we, we probably have the same answer, but have to do it because I know he's on rosters. A.J. Green, the wide receiver, 63 through two weeks. And Dalton, to me, he he just flat out has not looked good. 
other guys on his team, obviously Hopkins, but the, the two young kids and, and Kirk and obviously Rondell Moore have both looked much better than me. I'm at a 10. Uh, there's no circumstance I'm holding on to AJ Green. I, I, mean, I can't even believe people were drafting him. Um, there was a play last week in the red zone where AJ Green ran a flat to the right, turns, is wide open. Kyler Murray throws the ball. It hits AJ Green in the hands, and he drops the football. I mean, it doesn't get worse than that. And Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk, who for the first two weeks have been behind him on the pecking order as far as routes run go, have just significantly outperformed him in every aspect of the game. Mm -hmm. And there are three top 30 wide receivers on this team, and then AJ Green is all the way at wide receiver 63. Max Williams is only three points under him in points scored, and that's a tie. <laughs> to be fair, did you see his catch he had last week where the ball literally got tipped yes. and like went right to him in stride, and he picked up like third? So that's basically his entire production. There. I know, but still, I mean, A.J. Green, I think he had six or seven targets in week one, and he just did nothing with it. It's what we saw last week year at the Bengals. He's just not good. He'll be a Hall of Famer, but his career is over. Yep. Um, I'm with you there. And, and yeah, if he shouldn't have been drafted properly, if you still have him on your team, I'd, I'd cut bait. I, I don't think it's cut. It doesn't look like at least it's coming back for A.J. Green. And I don't remember. I'd have to go look at my spreadsheet. But if I did put the A.J. Green 1,000-yard season uh, tweets in my spreadsheet, oh, my I'm, I, I, I'm feeling pretty good about that one. But I ha have to go back and check. Ronald Jones, the RB 66 through two games. We all know he had negative points in week one, played like six snaps, fumbled the ball. Uh, week two, Dalton, you sent us a thread right before we started where there were still plenty of mistakes being made by Rojo. And you can see that things kind of snowball for him sometimes going out of bounds a yard before the sticks when he didn't, when he didn't need to, a bad run on second and one, and then getting Tom Brady sacked with – very bad pass protection. And if there's one thing that's going to make the coach and the quarterback mad when it's Tom Brady at quarterback, it is whiffing a block and getting Brady lit up. I'm still giving this one a five. Like I'm, I, I'm right. I, I'm like 50, 50. If you're, if you're not running back needy at all, I would just cut bait. Like if you're in a situation where you are never going to start Ronald Jones, you cut bait but you're probably not in that situation. That's why I've got to probably stick, stick middle of the road. But if I see, you know, a couple more weeks in a row of basically no production, this, this is going to rise pretty quickly for me, I think. Yeah, I have met a four, so I'm pretty in agreement with you um, in a 12-man league. If mm -hmm. I'm in a 10-man league, there are usually guys like Naheem Hines and Kenneth Gainwell. And, I mean, even someone like Justin Jackson for the Chargers – where if you really have to start a running back, at least these guys aren't going to hurt you. And Ronald Jones can just hurt you because he can come in. We saw it week one and just not play like just flat. And then week two, he comes in, he does get the first touch of the game and then he hardly plays. But if you're in a deeper format league, you're holding them because there's still so much value on that Bucks team. Now that team right now is highest in the NFL and pass rate above expectation in the red zone and between the sticks and the twenties. So that does and, hurt. And, and they should be with Chris yes. Goblin being the third best touchdown maker on that team in the red zone with Gronk and Mike Evans doing what they do. Absolutely. But you're hoping that they're going to be in some games in the future where they just don't need to pass because they're going to be up by enough and that defense holds them. And then Rojo does hold some value. We'll see. The, the, the problem is Fournette is still there and would probably be the guy that I'm more comfortable in holding that value. And then also what in Tom Brady or Bruce Arians history 
tells us that we're 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 certain that if they're up by a lot, they're going to quit throwing. <laughs> both both guys are shown at different points in their career, like we're we're fine. And that's throw, the worst part ball. is advising people to hold a player who's getting outplayed by Leonard Fournette. Uh, but yeah. there's just the upside there is probably the highest for guys who are having a really bad season, at least on this list. Other than Chenault, he probably has some of the most upside because he does have skill. It just sometimes takes him a little bit to get going. Yep. So, boy, speaking of a guy who has skill and has not yet got going, Brandon Ayuk never, ever in my life would have thought he would make this list in week two that we're even talking about here. On a scale of 1 to 10, Dal, now I'm still at a 1, but I just I, I just wanted to put him down here to, just to bring it up because he has 1.1 fantasy points, and I, I can barely even use points plural. He pulled by point one. 1.1 points in two weeks. He's still being outsnapped by Trent Sherfield. I think he actually maybe ran more routes last week, but was outsnapped. It, but it was close. Either way, still not great. Debo is for sure the number one guy there right now. I still have hope for Ayuk. I don't know how you feel, but how many more weeks of this? Like, if he keeps not producing for another like another two three weeks, where it's still pretty slow. How, how patient do we have to be with this guy? Well, and I have him at a one, two, but he should not just be in your starting lineup at all. No, absolutely and, not. And the bigger concern, and we might talk about this later with George Kittle, is that the 49ers just really don't want to pass the ball. Uh, I mean, last week, Jimmy Garoppolo rushed the ball 11 times, which that's a weird anomaly in a stat line, but they – have not dropped back to pass that frequently. And then Debo Samuel is just gobbling up the targets in that offense. So there's just a really big pecking order for him to overcome here. And they have a really cupcake schedule going forward the next six games. It's just going to be really hard to, to find a spot to start Ayuk. And I don't know what they see in Trent Sherfield other than he had a really good preseason, but Ayuk didn't play in the preseason because of injuries. Mm-hmm. And, and when Ayuk's on the field, if you go back and watch some of the routes he ran last week against the Eagles, he looked really good. He looked like he was running routes like he did last year. Granted, he only had one catch and one target, but he looked good in the route running. If you go look at uh, PFF Cole's tweet, he has all of the routes they ran last week, and they looked good. So I'm not sure what's going on here, but he's still he's still a first-round pick who is great after the catch and everything you would want in a 49ers wide receiver, except mm-hmm. that somewhere along the way he must have – Gave Kyle Shanahan a shucking up soda or something and just pissed him off. I mean, it's just upsetting. He, uh, so kind of on the other end of that, you know, on the other end of how much longer this can go on without having serious concern and, and thinking about dropping him, how many, how many games does he have to play well in before you trust him in your starting lineup? Like if he plays well once, is he just back in there? Or is he going to have to do it two, three more times? It, like, is this a guy that you're not starting for like a month almost no matter what happens? Well, this is this is one of those things where you probably have to get a little too in the weeds, and it's like a process thing. When he starts out snapping Sherfield in routes, then you can put him in your starting lineup regardless. If he's getting – if he is the wide receiver two on the field, then he gets it. Or, which I think is very likely, Debo gets hurt, misses a game, then you can probably <laughs> yes. feel comfortable and start him then as well. Uh, next week, I mean, next week seems like a week where he needs to play. They're going to play the Packers, and 
Jari Alexander is going to get Debo, and that's probably going to be a shadow coverage situation where we're going to have to see if Sherfield can make it big on the starting stage or Brandon Ayuk, who can do that, is going to be the guy. And then going forward, you get Seahawks, Cardinals. Those are two games where if Brandon Ayuk is even getting close to like 66% of the routes run on that team, he, he's probably going to be in your lineups at that point. I think I need to see him do it twice, um, two two times in a row. Like if – even if he has – ah, look, it's so hard. If he has 25 points this week, it's going to be really hard not to start him. It, it, it's just so tough. It really just comes down to what, what can you live with, and that's what all decisions come down to. But can you live with – you know, everyone started IU week one, and he literally gave you zero, L- literally zero. Can you live with, oh, you get a good game in week three, and then week four he's back to, like, two points? Like, Or can you live with him going off on your bench one more time? Well, and I really hope we have some clarity on this because if you have him for your playoffs, he plays the Falcons, then he plays the Titans, then he plays the Texans in your championship game. Yep. And if you can have him for those games – I, you will feel really good about your pick. Unfortunately, you probably spent a fifth round pick on him and your team is struggling at the moment. Yeah, I think that that schedule is exactly why uh, I think, was it Mike Wright on the footballers had Trey Lance as his fantasy MVP just because he yeah. was looking ahead at that schedule and hoping that Lance was was a starter at that point. So yeah, that, that schedule is pretty sweet. And, and let me tell you, I think the biggest miracle of this entire season so far, somehow my best ball team is only like, five points out of third place in a 12-team league. And I have Brandon Ayuk and A.J. Brown on my team. Like, it, it's just a full-fledged miracle. I, it, it's been frustrating for, for both those guys, quite frankly. But, all right, that, that's going to do it. I think we will revisit the drop-o-meter. We can revisit these same guys again if we'd like in, in like a month, kind of see, see, see how we did. And then also there will obviously be some new guys who are – on the fringes at that point, because there always are. It's such a week to week thing. And, you know, speaking of a week to week thing, I thought week two was going to be the week for the 16 team parlay to make it past Thursday night. But that is one thing that did not change. Uh, Someone week two. did almost get it off. So that was nice. Um, it was a guy who needed the lines money line for like yeah, 600K. He, he, and they still paid him. At, they still he still got paid like a hundred something thousand. It's it's because like there, it was like a FanDuel promo of like if you do any parlay at twenty five dollars, it's like a risk free bet. Hmm. But since it was a risk free bet, you he wasn't able to cash out early if he wanted to. Have you I see. used that function? Oh, I mean, I I, I don't I don't live in a state where it is legal to use any of those functions. So no, sir, I have no. Nope, you're right, but like if there the cash out functions, like if you put a thousand dollars on the Chiefs and in the second quarter they're about to lose, you can cash out early and get like half your money back, or it's like I a see. certain percentage. But the I parlay see. was a destiny parlay. But do you know? <laughs> do you know what Dalton got? Like what no, was his I, record? No, because I, I I didn't have the pick the screenshot of his bets like I did yours in week Suspect. one. Suspect. So, so I don't know, Dalton. What what was the the record in the sixteen games? We we won. We got seven of them, right? We got seven. seven okay. Oh, so, so are they better than you? Okay, good to know. 
Well, to be fair, we we all decided on those as a group. To this be time. fair, I still went eight and eight. I'll, I'll, I'll take all right, that so on the record. It, it's my turn, week three. I've got I've got big time faith in in Ooh. myself, big time faith in all of us that we can at least make it to Sunday with hopes of <laughs> of still cashing this thing. And you know, if that five bucks turns into a hundred and some thousand, the podcast is gonna have some money behind it. That that that's all we can that's all we can say about that. <laughs> uh johnny any lines stick out to you as as you look at at the week three i saw a couple one that i kind of like that is a little dicey is the washington football team plus eight against the bills because i just feel that the bills are just struggling this year i feel like they or like this week, they're like, okay, this this is our game to kind of show the AFC that or the NFL that like we're not a struggling team. We're exactly the team that you thought we were. Same team as last year. I feel like they won't be as prepared. Is my my guess, and I feel like I feel like eight points is easily achievable by the Washington football. It's actually, team. I'm looking at it right now, so seven and a half. So if you even get it marked marked down a point Ooh, now, perfect. Well. And they have 10 days. I mean, coming off the Thursday night game, you get way more rest. Exactly. Yeah. So I like that. Um, one. I, I will say, though, the Washington football defense has been uh, pretty disappointing so far. Yeah. yeah. Daniel Jones running all over you is not, <laughs> yeah, maybe not a good look. Not a good look. You might want to um, defend the quarterback run this week a little bit better. That, that's <laughs> all I'll say about that. Don't leave the middle open. Yep, noted. Yeah, because um, Josh Allen, a little bit of a better runner than, than Daniel Jones, even though Jones is. Yeah, we'll, we'll call him deceptively fast. We'll give him the classic white guy uh, uh, title here. But but yeah, I I had in in the newsletter halfpointperpod.substack.com. Go check that out if you guys have not. The week two recap is up. I'm looking for the Josh Allen stat. Is that the bottom? Okay, I'm 15 plus yard air throws. He was 48 and a half percent last year. This year, so far, very small sample. Only two games. He is 4 of 17, 23.5%. Something to watch and a reason to maybe be optimistic that the Washington football team can hang in there. Yeah, that number is worse than he was in 2019. Yeah. Josh Allen in 2019 was not a world beater by any means. No, he, <laughs> I would say not not even not even good. Okay, Johnny, you, you said you had another one that, uh, that you liked. Second one I liked is Cowboys minus four against the Eagles. Okay. Monday, Monday night. night I just... I personally, no, Tim, Tim the Tap Man, it's his first Cowboys game. Yeah. Does that scare you off of this line? A little bit. <laughs> like, so for me, myself, like, I like to bet kind of like a game I know that I'm going to be able to watch the entire thing from the mm-hmm. be- beginning to end rather than just like hover around Red Zone or like refresh on ESPN, or whatever. Because I, I, I like to bet on like the primetime games or like any of the Chiefs games. I. Was not aware that Tim was going to be there, so I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of nervous after what he did against uh, Tampa Bay and just... and, and and it's his first, uh, not his first Cowboys game, his yeah. first Cowboys game in Dallas. Yeah, his first. Well, game I think in his Dallas. first regular season game. That's, that's true. Because uh, the preseason game was the first time he's ever been to a game. For anyone who doesn't know, Tim the Tapman's a streamer, big Cowboys fan, and. Uh, Arguably the biggest jinx in all of sports history, quite frankly. <laughs> Ultimate jinx. So I'm kind of nervous about the Cowboys minus four because I already did a parlay with them and the Washington football team. 
Mm. So I'm uh, I'm slightly concerned now, but we will we'll see if I can hedge live bet against what Tim is saying. So well, that that that's always a good way to go. Uh, the Chicago Bears seven and a half point underdogs at Cleveland. Johnny, any any belief in in the Bears there? I wouldn't mind sprinkling a couple dollars on that just to see like Justin Fields just dominating the field. I I feel like there's a good chance. Like I'm shocked it's not. I guess lower. I thought it'd be like around five to six. You said it was seven and a half. <laughs> yep, seven and a half. I like that one. All right, and that leads us straight into who else? Justin Fields. Probably the news that every podcast is talking about today. He is starting this week. Andy Dalton is week to week with a bone bruise in his knee, and week to week we don't really know how long that could be. Could be just this week. Could be a month. Quite frankly. It's, Pretty unknown, and also maybe Justin Fields just plays great, and this job is just his going forward here. But Dalton, I guess the first question here is: Justin Fields a must start? Because I'm sure he's rostered by everybody who's listening today. Is he a must start in a standard 12 team league? I do not think so. Um, it's just your rookie. You're playing in your first game. We've seen how difficult it is for some of these rookies, even Trevor Lawrence, who was kind of considered a major talent. Yeah, the best prospect since Andrew Luck was yeah. uh, was, was the, the term. And his first game, he threw for three touchdowns and three picks against probably one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And this is the Cleveland Browns, who are a legitimately good defense in the NFL. And, I mean, you're starting him because you believe in his rushing floor. Mm-hmm. I just really hope that that pays off enough because this could be a difficult game for him. Denzel Ward is a good cornerback. He's probably going to do Allen Robinson most of the game. And, I mean, you can look elsewhere. There's some really good streaming options this week would be my advice. I would definitely have him on my roster because if he plays well, he'll probably keep the starting job and then he has it going forward. And mm-hmm. I have to see Matt Nagy call a game effectively. And it just seems like he's missing that still. I Andy Dalton has like the lowest a dot in the NFL through two games. And I, hope yeah, but Andy that- Dalton always does that. If you look at the graph of fields and Andy Dalton, just in fields limited time, he's already pushed it down the field more than Dalton has all season. And he's thrown like 12 passes. I agree, but I just hope that that's not just an aspect of the play calling and tendencies of a quarterback. So I'm, I'm glad that you feel this way because I would a hundred percent start fields. Um, not in every situation. Uh, he's like hovering around like the outside of QB1 territory, I think, this week. But if you have fields on your roster, you probably either number one picked him up this week if he was out there, or more likely number two, you paired him with a Matt Ryan, with a Kirk Cousins, with a Ryan Tannehill, a, a Baker Mayfield, like someone like that. I'm starting him over all those guys just because the rushing floor and the rushing upside – it's just so appealing. Like we, we've seen it with Jalen Hurts time and time again last year. And, you know, this year, Daniel Jones has been just abysmal passing the ball, but he's run for a lot of yards and he's run for a touchdown. So he's like QB four uh, on, on the season. Let me give you two guys who are probably waiver wire guys. Would you rather start Daniel Jones or Justin Fields? Fields easily. Okay. Would you rather start Sam Darnold or Justin Fields? Who do the the Panthers play the Texans, right? Yeah, tomorrow. I would say Fields. That one's closer, but I'm still taking Fields just because I I think he has more upside than Darnold. See, I would start both those guys over Fields. 
All right. Sounds like uh sounds like a little bet. Sounds like a little board bet, maybe it should be in the works this week. I'll take that. So we aren't doing any ranks, and it's tough to just we can bet a guy versus a guy. We could also, I don't know. You're saying so would you take like Tannehill, Matt, like all those other guys I listed over fields as well? I would have to see the matchups. I'm specifically picking those two because one plays Houston and one plays Atlanta. Okay, so how about this? I I, I say Justin Fields is a top 15 quarterback this week. I mean, that's not starting range. That'd be top 12 if we're doing it. Well, yeah, but you were all these other guys that you said that you would rather have. I, I'm saying I think I would, top I, 12, but you got to give me some wiggle room because I because you've listed all of these guys. I'm, I'm just naming two guys who I think are streamer guys who I would take over him. Well, yeah, but you're – okay, you're listing streamers, but Tannehill, Matt Ryan, Baker Mate. Okay, so Tannehill, who the Titans play? I don't even know, but Matt Ryan. Colts. I know, Matt Ryan, who plays Colts? Tannehill no, does? Tannehill plays the Colts. Okay. And Matt Ryan plays ba- Baker plays the Bears, obviously. That that's the matchup. Bears yeah. Browns. And Matt Ryan plays the Giants. So of those, I would say let's do Matt Ryan, Tannehill. I would not take Matt Ryan over Justin Fields. Um Daniel Jones, I would Tannehill, I would take over. So there's two. And then I would also take um, You know what? Let's 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 just do Daniel Jones versus Justin Fields straight up. <laughs> I do not want to cheer for no, Daniel you, Jones. You, you, well, I'll you take said it. Daniel Jones, all right. I said Justin Fields finishes higher this week than Daniel who, Jones. Who's the better rusher? I think that's yet to be determined. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Johnny, I hope you've got this one down. I've got Justin Fields. Dalton's got Daniel Jones this week. Oh, man. I'm about to have to watch an entire Jason Garrett coached <laughs> game. <laughs> Oh, okay. We should probably get to the buy ourselves. We're, we're 34 minutes in and we're, we can go through these fairly quick. I, I have confidence in us, I think. Uh, the first one, Dalton, Johnny does not shaking his head. No, Johnny, we'll be out of here in tw- by fi- in 55 minutes will be the, the show time. We're at 34 right now, 21. I, I believe you this time because I brought it up, but notoriously in the past 50 plus episodes, well, we'll go through this team pretty quick. Twenty <laughs> minutes later, and then well, now you have to add thirty <laughs> seconds to my time because you just talked all that. I'll so, so thanks, a, thanks a lot, Johnny. Proceed. Thanks a lot. Cortland Sutton is a top twenty-four receiver rest of season. So when I say rest of season, that means I'm not counting week one and two, weeks three to seventeen. Top twenty-four receiver, Cortland Sutton. What say you, Dalton? I am buying. And the reason for this, if we look at what the offseason concerns were, there were three of them. One was Jerry Judy was going to overtake him. Judy's gone for the next five-ish weeks. Two was that Teddy Bridgewater historically targets guys who get separation and aren't go up and grab the ball guys. Well, he's targeting Cortland Sutton. Bridgewater is slinging it down the field right now. We'll see if that lasts, but he is right now. And three was that his injury was going to nag, and clearly it's not. He leads the NFL in air yards through two weeks. And, I mean – I do not expect Teddy Bridgewater incredibly high a dot. I think it's fourth in the NFL to continue because that's just not who he is as a player. And that's not who Shermer is as a play caller, but through two weeks, that's been the case, but Cortland Sutton is definitely the alpha wide receiver. We thought he was playing in a contract year and he's definitely still the guy in this offense. Mm-hmm. So I can't remember if I'm, if I put it in the newsletter, if I did, I can't find it. But when I was doing research for the newsletter, I saw that Sutton, had, he had like something like 230 air yards this week or just something. Up, he had like 100. He had a career high in receptions 
and yards this week and targets. I think it was like a 13 targets, nine receptions, 150 plus yards. Now, the one caveat is the Jaguars have allowed a league high, like nine wide receiver one game since the start of last year. Yeah. And always target wide receivers with them. But yes, he had an amazing week. Yeah. Oh, I've got, I, I'm an idiot. Thank you. newsletter. It's in my show notes. That would be a good second place to look. Career high, nine catches, 159 yards on 12 targets. League best, 258 air yards last week. That is just, that's a, that's a lot of air yards. That's two and a half NFL fields for those <laughs> counting at home. That, that is a lot. You, I, I agree. I'm buying it. Clear top guy without Jerry Judy in the fold. And even when Judy is back in full strength, which, Full strength is somewhat in question with the high ankle sprain. You just never quite know how long it'll truly take for a guy to get there. Everyone remembers the Saquon season where it took him a little while to get back to form a couple years ago. But even if Judy is back, let's say in eight weeks and like a hundred percent himself, it's going to go back and forth between those two guys, I think. So yeah, I'm, I'm buying this one. Not, not really much of a question in my mind. Yeah. I think that's a good buy. Um, I don't know if I buy the Denver offense being as good as it is, but I don't think it has to be for him to do well. Yep, I agree. So the next one, it's funny. I I started with top 36 here, but I was like, you know what? I got to make this one more interesting. Michael Carter, a top 30 running back, rest of season, buy or sell. I will lead this one off. This is a buy for me, and I kind of hinted at it at the beginning of the show in the newsletter. I think that Carter is going to be in your starting lineup quicker than you would have thought after what happened last week where he got like three touches hardly played. And it was like, man, it's going to be like week seven, week eight before I can use this guy. It's like, well, if he plays well again this week, he might be in your lineup. If not the week after that, maybe one more week just to, just to see, but he split uh, the snap count with Ty Johnson, 33, 33. It was only seven snaps for Tevin Coleman. It was 13 touches, almost 90 yards for Michael Carter last week. And he he just looked good. There's I put a couple of clips in the newsletter. He was making guys miss. He's a good option in the dump down passing game, which, you know, Zach Wilson could use uh, some easy passes and some yak from his guys right now with, with what he's doing, trying to throw the ball down the field. And he got two chances inside the five-yard line, which didn't convert him. Wasn't his fault, though. It was just like he just got converged on both times. You like the usage, and you like the way the player looked if you're a Michael Carter backer. So I'm going to buy this one. Uh, I'm selling this one. So it's not really my issue with the player as much as with the team. Mm-hmm. The first thing is that offensive very, line. Very valid, for sure. Yeah. That offensive line just looks terrible, and that defense doesn't look much better. So my hope with a running back who would produce in that offense would be that they can catch passes. And last year or last week, I'm sorry, Ty Johnson ran three times more routes than Michael Carter did. Uh, Michael Carter did get two receptions, uh, which is good. And he got two green zone touches in the red zone, which is good. But both those touches, he was touched behind the line of scrimmage because the offensive line is so bad. And last year to be a top 30 running back, you had to average about 140 points over the season. And it's just really hard for me to find a way for him to get those points unless he just plays all 16 games. But if you're on that pace, you're really not averaging enough points that you want to put the guy in your lineup most weeks or you feel comfortable doing it. Uh, So I'm selling this one, but really I think Michael Carter looks good, but that Jets offense just looks really bad. And my other concern is so week one, it looked like we kind of solidified their rotation. And then week two, they started rotating in a lot of wide receivers 
in response to their wide receiver core. And I have a striking feeling week three, we might see them do the same thing with the running backs where they're just moving all three guys around trying to see who hits. And we might see a snap share similar to week one. I'm not too sure or too sold already that this is a steady thing yet as well. It's possible. I think what, what I will say, the reason why I feel pretty good about this right now is because I thought he was going to be a top like 40 to 45 guy, even if he didn't really play consistently until like week seven, week eight. So just the fact that he's already at least cracking uh, the number one ish role right now is a major positive in, in my opinion. And, you know, I've always been pretty big on, I think we've both been pretty big on just Carter, the, the talent, and it's just going to come down to his situation, but there's, productive guys who play on sneaky teams all the time and hopefully this is is one of those situations yeah i i just think without a passing down duty it's going to be hard for him to produce well right now mike davis is the rb30 jd mckissick rb28 so not the same and, and carter's rb43 so i just all have to say like it's not like he has to be a world beater to be top 30 it it could happen. I'm, I'm going to JD bet. McKissick was RB24 last season, though. So, yeah, that was uh, some extenuating circumstances there. <laughs> uh, Derek Carr. So, the Raiders are kind of doing their Raider thing right now. They're looking awesome. Um, I see Keyshawn Johnson on, or was it Michael Irvin? Michael Irvin on first take uh, say that, that Derek Carr is better than Kyler Murray, which, like, he's not, but like, He's young, so, you know, and Murray makes mistakes, whatever. And then Russell Wilson, like, come on, man. Russell's a top-five quarterback of the NFL. Uh, buy or sell Derek Carr, the current QB 10, and I believe the leader in total passing yards this season as a top-12 quarterback rest of season. Um, I'm selling. And Russell Wilson is the best bad-good QB where he is a bad quarterback who looks good sometimes. The first thing is I've I've seen a lot of people making a lot of hubbub about him doing what he did against the Steelers. Two things: the Steelers were missing their top three pass rushers that they didn't they did have in Week One against Josh Allen. Secondly, they lost two secondary guys in the game. Uh, third, a lot of that was inflated by a sixty yard pass to Henry Ruggs that, for all purposes, wasn't really like a good throw. I mean, Henry Ruggs made it happen, and I mean do we really want to trust John Gruden to play call a guy into a top 12 situation? Because to be a top 12 quarterback on that back end as, as just a passer means you're going to have to sustain these like 300 yards, two, three touchdown games week in week out, or at least be close to them. Last year, Kirk cousins was the QB 12, but he also had two very talented pass catching weapons that are elevating his game. Mm -hmm. And this team just has Darren Waller. I mean, they play the dolphins next week, which I think is probably a better defense than what we saw from the Steelers. And then they go against the Chargers, Bears, and Broncos, and that's really going to be a proving field for Derek Carr. If he comes out of those games and is still a top-12 quarterback, I might buy this, but I'm selling all the way on this. And I just hate the Raiders, I, just personal. I'm down. selling. I'm selling, too. This is just such a small sample size. And if we didn't have the history of John Gruden and the Raiders not doing it to this extreme because – you know, they, they win games, big games early in the season, but you know, they're two and zero. I don't really remember if they've been two and zero and and beat two legitimately good teams. Um, or the Steelers, you know, pretty good. Ravens, good. So they beat two legit teams to do it. But I might get burned, but I'm just not trusting Carr and and that team 
until I see them do it like in the second half of the season. I I'm just not I'm not doing it. I'll play Carr in matchups, but I'm not I'm not leaving Carr on my team and trusting him as my week in week out starter. I, I think people are really glossing over just how bad he played for like a pretty big chunk of that Ravens game. Like Waller got 19 targets and a lot of those were no shot. He was catching that ball. A lot of them were Derek Carr, like forcing him when there were other reads that he should have been making. Like he, he should Waller's great, but he should not have got that many targets. It was just a car was trying to force feed him. I, they've been impressive. He's been impressive. I just advise jumping on the bandwagon too early. I think I'd rather miss the boat here than jump on and get burned. Yeah. And another thing that I think is important, and you don't punish guys for doing big plays, but 120 of his yards have come on end of the game touchdown passes to receivers, where the receivers Mm -hmm. pick up a lot of yak. I mean, the Zay Jones touchdown against Baltimore, and then you have the Henry Ruggs touchdown. And his stats are slightly inflated by a really long overtime game in Baltimore. I think all of those things are also important to consider. And I just don't see it with them. That offensive line is playing above their skill level too. And when Derek Carr is under pressure, Derek Carr is just flat out terrible. You know, Chris Harris, the the fantasy football podcaster, calls Derek Carr a golden retriever, and it is it is just so true. I I, I can't I, I can't take Derek Carr seriously after after hearing that. I like that, but I like gold retrievers and I don't like Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr also, I don't know if anybody knows this, but he perennially blocks fantasy football analysts on Twitter. There are tons of them he's blocked and they've never tweeted at him. Uh, so I just don't like the guy. He's the best car brother. I'll say one nice thing about him. Well, that's not really uh, too big a compliment. Uh, Tony Pollard, Dalton, buy or sell Tony Pollard should be in your starting lineup every week. This one was rough. Um He's on your dynasty team and on your bench. So I'm assuming you're selling this. I'm not actually I'm buying. My, so I, why is he not in your lineup? Because I have four very good wide receivers. I can't justify. It was between him and Tyson Williams in my RB2 slot this week. I, uh, I, I might start him over Devontae Smith, but neither neither here nor there. Uh, no, Devontae Smith's going to blow up this week. But <laughs> um, it's, I would like one more week to really – settle on this because the Cowboys came out and played a completely different game than they did week one. And they split the, the workload. Zeke so got 55% of the running back touches. Tony Pollard got 45%. Well, you know, the Falcons did the same thing and came out and just like, it, it was the hashtag never run uh, against yeah. the Bucks in week two. I think that's just kind of the play. It seems yeah. like right now. And if that's the case and they're going to utilize this uh, like rush offense, then Tony Pollard has a ton of value because he just looks flat out better than Zeke. And Zeke mm-hmm. didn't look bad last week, but Tony yep. Pollard looked really good. So if you have him, you should be really encouraged. I want to wait one more week to see what he can do. But even then, he was probably already like perennial, somebody you're considering just because the Cowboys are always expected to put up a lot of points. Mm-hmm. And now that he's getting consistent touches, there's a really good chance that he can be really productive in your lineup. So I'm buying. Yeah, I, I don't think that. I don't think either of the last two weeks are like the true cowboy game script. You're going to see game in game out. I think it's going to be a little more, a little more in the middle. They they ran, they they were running all over the chargers, quite frankly, which is pretty, pretty surprising. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm buying this number one. 
you had the I don't know Dalton how how close you were watching this game if you had it only on red zone if you also had the CBS feed and the red zone feed up that's what I did and uh Romo and Nance could not quit talking about the Cowboys coaches saying that they're they're really focusing on keeping Zeke fresh this year so I think that's not, a nice way of you, saying we don't want Zeke to get it all the time. You can you can categorize as a not great thing to hear as a Zeke fantasy manager. And you you said it. I thought Pollard, even though Zeke played well, I thought Pollard just looked better. A hundred yards, a touchdown, like eight and a half yards a carry, which I mean yards a yards per carry, not a great stat, but Boy, he was he was like shot out of a cannon every time he touched the ball. It, it was it was just impressive, quite frankly. Question for you, as not the biggest uh, Kareem Hunt guy over the years, the last two years, Tony Pollard or Kareem Hunt, rest of season. Today, like right now, if. Like in some weird situation, I was having like they were both just on waivers and I could pick one. Mm-hmm. I'm probably taking Cream Hunt because there's I just know what Cream Hunt is. I know I'm gonna get it. Tony Pollard, you're still putting a lot of faith in a coaching staff that has Jerry Jones tied to it, and Jerry Jones coming out and saying, I spent 90 million dollars on Zeke and I want Zeke to be on the field more is a possible outcome that could really affect this. So I would take Cream Hunt, but Tony Pollard has more upside. I mean, there is not a, there is no chance Kareem Hunt outplays Nick Chubb. There is a big chance that Tony Pollard outplays Zeke and gets the starting job. I don't know if I say gets the starting job, but there, there, there is a chance on a week in week out basis that he just outproduces Zeke. Whereas Chubb more often than not is still going to outproduce Hunt. The days that Hunt has the bigger games are usually just when he gets more red zone work. It's not like he had 120 yards and Chubb had 50. Like that's never really the case. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I would take Hunt as well. I only asked the question because I think it's a good measuring stick and a good just helps people really kind of realize where we're thinking about Pollard here. Like if Hunt's like a a fringe top 20 guy Pollard's like a fringe top 25 guy I think yeah. he's like uh, right there with Hunt and I think really the main reason why I'm taking Hunt is I'm more confident in his volume both um, because of Zeke first Chubb and then both and then also rather because I, I have more confidence that the Browns are going to run the ball more week in week out than, than I do the Cowboys yeah I mean, and Tony Pollard's the RB12 right now, which is inflated a bit, and it's only two weeks. But we've all known he's been good, and we've all just waited for this. The one week he got a start last year, I think he scored like 20 fantasy points. Yeah, I think it was was more than that. Um, At least it felt like it in the fantasy playoffs when when you had him against me. Yes, him and J.D. McKissick were my heroes. (laughs) Okay, Gronk, a top eight tight end the rest of the way. Uh, Dalton, I'm buying this one. The guy has four touchdowns in two games. I know that's not going to continue, but it's very easy for me to see him catching like 12 touchdowns this year. Um, He was tight end eight last year, and that was on a lot less volume in offense that had to find itself. We've talked about that ad nauseum. He's probably going to tail off some, both touchdowns and just targets, but he's averaging six and a half targets per game. If he were to play every game this year, which he probably won't, but if he did, he's on pace for 110 And that's his most targets per game since 2017. And that was when Gronk was just at a different place in his career. He he was like the all pro Gronk at that point. So 
the running game is just so lackluster, like we talked about. He and Brady have such great chemistry. I I think Rock is going to be a top eight tight end, maybe better rest of the way. Yeah, I'm buying it as well. Um, Sam Hoppin over at Fantasy Footballers tweeted out pass rate over expectation and then pass rate over expectation in the red zone. And the Bucks lead the NFL in both of those, mm-hmm. which is very good for Gronk. What I will say is him being a top three, four tight end like he is right now probably isn't sustainable. Right. And if you really want to get your value, selling him now could be worth something yep. if you have a good tight end on your bench. But the days of him, I don't understand. He's catching the ball like the five yard line and like beating defenders, like like physically beating defenders. And I just do not understand how a guy that didn't play a year in the NFL is still tackling defenders and then beating them into the red zone that way. I expect offenses might respect him a little more going or defenses might respect him a little more going forward and it might be a little tougher yeah but there's just like in in week one there was the play where he was blocking and he knew the guy that would have supposed to cover him was rushing brady so he just leaked out of the backfield and when he turned around the ball was there and he walked into the end zone just like plays like that it's just so tough to defend uh a passing combination like that when guys have such good chemistry and the defenders just don't know where they're going to be because that wasn't in the play. It's just something that he did. Yeah. And while we're on this note, um, because of the newfound connection, like last year they had a kind of connection, but this year it looks like old New England. I am more worried about Mike Evans than ever before because his red zone (laughs) targets are all going to Gronk right now. And that is concerning because those two play very similar styles. And a Mike Evans touchdown. Uh, Chris Goblin got flat out tackle in the end zone. Should have had another touchdown last week. Thought it was going to cost me my matchup against Johnny. So, uh, yeah, Evans probably got a touchdown. That probably should have gone to, to Goblin. But, okay, Dalton, you put this one in here because I, I know you want to talk about your guy, Rondell Moore. Really my guy, Rondell Moore. I feel like I was the first Rondell Moore adopter. Our guy. In, this group, in, in this group. Rondell Moore is the rookie wide receiver to own the rest of the way. Dalton, buy or sell? I'm selling. I put this because I wanted to put Rondell Moore on. (laughs) But the first thing, Rondell Moore has 35 fantasy points over two games and 36 routes run, which is about a point per route run, which is not something that's going to sustain. I do think he's going to be more involved with the offense, but he's probably going to also come down in what he can score weekly. Um, out of all of the rookie wide receivers right now, Devontae Smith leads them in air yards. And that's always a good indication of a player, you know, really popping. Devontae Smith was close to popping last week. He had a couple of deep passes just go over his head. And then and Jamar I, think there was, I think there was one that was called back because he stepped out of bounds too, right? That was Rieger. That was Rieger. Uh, on the okay. touchdown. Uh, and then Jamar Chase, the Bengals are like the third lowest pass rate over expectation team. And I think they're just protecting Joe Burr right now. As that number goes up, which is what Zach Taylor likes to do, pass the ball, Jamar Chase's volume is going to go up. Uh, I am concerned about Jalen Waddle, but that's only because Jacoby Brissett's quarterback and the Dolphins can't defend it. So out of those four guys, I might put Rondell Moore third on where I want to own them. Jalen Waddle fourth uh, would be my ranking. I'd probably go Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Rondell Moore, Jalen Waddle. I would still put the big three and then Rondell Moore fourth i've always been higher on waddle than, than you to begin with i know two is out don't really know how long yet and that obviously is a bummer but i think i think waddle has more week-to-week upside than more e- even though more has boomed these first two weeks but 
He had the touchdown, the 77-yard touchdown that almost anybody in the NFL would have scored on. Not, not to say that he hasn't played great so far. but the I've coverage... seen Daniel Jones with the open field like that and not mention it. <laughs> uh, talking about receivers here or, or running back, guys who are going to be catching the ball. Um, it, it was completely busted coverage, got good blocking down the field from Christian Kirk. He just had the run straight, and he did that. But Rondo Moore has been – I'm selling this too, by the way, if it wasn't obvious by what I said at the beginning – He's been exactly what I thought he, he could be, though, which is a guy that has basically no A dot. He is a at the line of scrimmage guy, and he never gets tackled by the first guy because he is just a freaking human bowling ball. That's what he was in college. That's that's still what he is in the NFL. He he is so hard to tackle. He's shifty, and I mean, he he squats a a, a lot of weight. He's a very strong individual, but I just think that's a hard way. Like we talked about with Chanel a little bit, it's hard to have too high of a week-to-week upside when your usage is what his is, I think. And so that that's my hang-up still. Yeah, I do expect that to change. We talked about AJ Green earlier. I can't justify it. Yeah, I don't I, know I, how I, Kingsbury's I, justifying AJ Green starting over. I, I, I still think even if Green gets faded out, it's like Kirk is the more natural kind of field stretcher than, than Rondell Moore, in my opinion. Moore is being used how he should be, I think. And just to get this off my chest, really frustrating. We have touted Christian Kirk for like two years. And then the year the guy finally pops is the year everybody's off him and on Rondell Moore. And now he's just being a fantasy thorn instead of somebody that you can celebrate. Like you had to wait till now to do your thing. And that's frustrating. Although I do have him on two best ball teams. Yeah. Let's uh, let, let's see how long that continues for Christian Kirk. Um, George Kittle is no longer part of the big three uh, tight end group. Dalton, I will let you go first. This is your topic by yourself. Uh, I'm buying, but I just want to change it to the big two. Uh, Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, because through two weeks, George Kittle has just underperformed for his draft capital, which is second, third round. And I just don't really see that improving. He's the the second option in this offense with Brandon Ayuk being treated like being in the doghouse. And he just doesn't pop. And he's going to have weeks where he goes off. But that's every tight end at this point. As soon as they get in the red zone, yes, yeah, but George not, Kittle, but, but, but not, but not yeah. like Kittle goes off. Absolutely, but like right now, if I were to ask you, would you rather own TJ Hawkins or George Kittle? It's probably closer than you want it to be. I would say Kittle, and I, I, I don't really hesitate too much yet. I mean, like ten targets a game for Hawkinson. I don't think George Kittle belongs in that t- big three anymore. As a real life player, absolutely. As a fantasy asset, not anymore. He's just in too many blocking schemes, and it just takes away so much of his value. So I'm selling this. I think I would still take him over Darren Waller. Like if you rest of season uh, weeks, weeks three through seventeen. I still think it's way too early to be worrying about Kittle. This is just kind of what he does because this is what the team does. He'll he's more up and down. He, he's not as consistent as Waller and as Kelsey, but his boom weeks are frankly bigger than anybody else's. Like he he'll have games where it's like a fifty percent target share. And he had the game. How many receptions did he have in that one game last year? <laughs> it's like fifteen receptions or whatever it was. Just just absurd and. You can almost, you can almost, you said it. You can almost guarantee he he's gonna go off soon and and offset this slow start. Probably gonna be this week because I'm playing against him in our dynasty league. So if anybody wants a wants a little little George Kittle in their in their DraftKings to change it up, this might be your week. He's just such an elite player. I, I I'm not gonna have these concerns yet. The sample size 
is just so small. You look at their games, they only passed the ball 26 times against the Lions. They were up by a million points. We all know what happened in that game. He was four for 78. And then against the Eagles, they throw the ball 30 times, which is like an average amount for them, low for uh, other teams. They're going to have games where they throw more. I looked back at the 2019 year, which was, of course, their their Super Bowl season where they went to the Super Bowl. They had games of 20, 21, 22 pass attempts. We all know they threw the ball 19 times in the NFC title, and Mostert had like 31 rushes and four touchdowns in that game. But they also had games where they threw the ball 37, 45, and 46 times. When that happens, Kittle is going to feast more often than not. I I'm just still not worried about Kittle yet. Yeah, just to me to be a big three means you're a weekly no-brainer. And if he's just having weeks where he's not even a top 12 tight end, it just becomes really hard to justify. Yeah, I mean, but I, I again, that. I think that's how he's – I think that's how, how Kittle has always been, though. I think Kittle has been up and down just his whole career. I, I don't think he's had games like this. I mean, three points. It's just – if that continues and this trend continues, I just don't think he belongs in that, like, top three anymore. He – he was below he's below 20% target share each of their first two games. He was never below that last year, but he was below that number below 25% four times in 2019. So I'm trying to pull up his game log to see if he has had the, uh, the up and down seasons here. Good Lord. It's going to take me to every George Kittle thing. Oh, there's his, this is going to take me a minute. Johnny, you can edit a little bit of this out post-production. Anyone who's watching this live, this is a fun, fun behind the curtain. A fun here. exercise. Yep. I would like to say we are um, past I'm, our... Oh, I'm, I'm oh, aware. You're, are you I'm aware? aware. Just I'm aware. Wanna, where I just want to let you know. I mean, we're at hour one. That's still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he had, th- he had games, you know, three for 38, two for 17. I mean, those were his worst games, three for 54, which is fine, but not... Not that great. Six for 57, eight for 54, both pretty good. So like, but he also has games of 103, 129, 134. So I, I just think he's going to have enough of the big blow up games that he is going to end the season as a top three guy. I hope so, but I will take TJ Hawks in rest of season. All right. Well, I will still take the older, more established Iowa tight end personally, but that's just me. Hawk strap season. Okay, and on that note, that is going to do it for episode 47 of the Half Point Per Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Click on the Linktree link in the description, and you can find all of those links. And we're at Half Point Per Pod on all those platforms if you'd just rather search us. Subscribe to the YouTube. The link is in there as well. The show is available, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere else you listen to your podcast Dalton will not be with us this weekend but I know at least for sure I will be on a Sunday morning stream and I believe Johnny will probably join me I've got some star of the week some DraftKings. it'll be it'll be fun time I feel like Johnny's trying to trying to say he's not going to be there but we I will join from the parking lot of Arrowhead if you would like I don't think anybody wants that Johnny and I will talk to you this weekend Dalton will join us again next week thank you guys so much for listening 